Hello. 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 Do you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Just okay. So maybe it was the shutting off the phone that worked. Hey, you hear both of us, right? And me. Oh, where's Jack? All right, this is this is great. Wait, so Griffin is here, right? Yes. Yes, All I right. am here. And Jack I'm here. is here. Awesome. No. Or no, Adam is here. Jack Jack's is not, not here. here. Damn it, Jack. Stay on. Stay on the recording, guys. Yeah. I'm here. There we go. Yeah, it's working. Okay. All right, we're shutting off the phone. All right, I will start the episode. There we go. Four, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the last episode of Generation Elect of 2019 and of the decade. We have a very special episode for you today as we will do, for the first time in our history, a yearly award show uh, detailing the biggest politicians, the biggest moments, the best surprises and disappointments of the year in politics. We have... A very special panel on today. We have a quad pod, as we like to call it. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Griffin Roder. How are you, Griffin? Hey, Henry. Well, it's been a pretty nice break. I have so much candy left over. I might bring it to school on my birthday. From, from yeah. your birthday? Oh, when's your uh, birthday? My birthday is on the 8th. Uh, oh, honestly, bud. Yeah. Uh, on Bobby the 8th birthday. of January. Well, yeah. I guess it, it's week, early. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Th- thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam, how are you? I'm good. You know, I'm excited. The Eagles are playing today, winning there in the playoffs. What's your, uh, no spoilers, um, uh, reaction to the Star Wars movie you just saw? Um, Is it good? <laughs> I did like that they brought back Lando Calrissian. Yes. Um, no spoilers, but it, was, it wasn't, I thought it was a lot better than the last one, but it, of course, it wasn't my favorite. Mm-hmm. No spoilers, Ray dies. Um, Jack, how are you? I'm good. Just recovering from uh, Christmas whole family was, was there it? honestly oh, the, the political discussion that we had uh during christmas dinner is probably more entertaining than this pod so <laughs> should have well, we, that we had our everyone at our table was pretty liberal so it went pretty nice for us but um anyways so i'm glad all of your breaks are going well we have an award show to start off with we have all written down our picks for several awards that we have predetermined and we don't know who we picked who each of each other picked to win these awards. So our first award today is going to be Politician of the Year, uh, the best politician who had the biggest impact in 2019. Uh, who would like to start first? Uh, I'll start. Sure. Griffin, who did you pick and why? Uh, that, that wasn't me. That was someone else. <laughs> it was Adam. I, that was Adam. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay. Adam, not, who did you pick for? <laughs> Who's your Politician of the Year, Adam? I picked Mayor Pete Buttigieg um, because of his rapid uh rise and i am a supporter of him but i think that no one really saw um how well he's doing coming and he's sort of you know not really fallen off but he's hit it more level but it's still a remarkable considering he's the mayor of south bend indiana that he's able to have done all of this and be a front runner for this um democratic primary so i think that he's you know I think that he's the most deserving of the politician of the year because he really had a remarkable rise this year. Yeah, so I've I've gone for my politician of the year. I decided to go for Adam Schiff. Interesting. To me, I mean, so at the beginning of the uh, impeachment hearings, you know, Pelosi, uh, the more traditional way to handle things would be putting the hearings and uh, and all the stuff related to impeachment and the Mueller and everything uh, with judiciary. But Pelosi decided to put it in the intelligence committee's hands, 
led by Chairman Adam Schiff. And I think Adam Schiff has been a huge, huge player in impeachment. And besides Pelosi, has definitely had the most impact this year. He kind of burst yeah. onto the scene, too. You know, we didn't really know too much about him last year. But all of a sudden, he's, you know, doing – he's making a great case to the American public. And he's uh, really important this year. Griffin, who did you pick for politician of the year? Uh, I feel like you guys might get a bit mad at me, but I picked Tulsi Gabbard. Because I feel – Wow. I never <laughs> – <laughs> I see the laughter. Oh, oh! Here's the thing. I never thought Tulsi Gabbard was gonna be such a top tier. Like she made it to two percent in polling, which, granted, is pretty bad. But the fact but that it's not she, about her polling numbers. Right? It's not yeah. about her polling numbers. It's the fact that she got so far. She made it to the November debate, and I thought she was gonna drop out in July, like essentially after that first debate. Uh, well, before before the first debate, I thought she would drop out in July because really I didn't see her campaign going well, anywhere. Well, I mean, I yeah, I mean, like she's like destroyed so much of the Democratic Party. I mean, well, I mean, as a Democrat, she's, caused, she's like she's caused a ruckus, and that's like she's really, ruined a campaign. I yeah. wouldn't say she's ruined the campaign. she ruined Kamala's campaign. I would say that's she, well, campaign. well, that's uh, as a candidate, that's her. You know, well, well, some of Kamala's damage was self-inflicted, though. Yeah. I do feel. Yeah. Anyhow. But I think it was the beginning of the end when Tulsi Gabbard took her down in the second debate. I feel I, I more or less picked Tulsi because she kind of ruffled the feathers of the establishment, yeah, that's which true. Uh, I, I do admire. Henry, if Kamala is losing. Yeah, I'm just worried about this Henry. direction that she might take the Democratic Party in. I don't know. That's Henry, if happening. Kamala is losing to Tulsi in a debate, then she should not be our nominee. Yeah. That Sorry is for just... technical difficulties. I will be right back. Uh-oh. Okay, Thank Henry. you. Sorry. All right. Everything good now? Everything yeah. was always good. Yeah, everything was always right. good. So, Tulsi Gabbard, interesting choice for Politician of the Year. My you, Henry? personal pick for Politician of the Year is Nancy Pelosi. And I don't... What? We didn't say anything. Yeah, nothing was said. Oh, yeah. No. My pick is Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is, without a doubt, when she was sworn in as Speaker of the House, she has made the most impact on our country and on our politics as a whole. She ended the shutdown, one of the more devastating events to the American people and government workers in January. She orchestrated the impeachment hearings so well. She got Trump impeached. She's been a thorn in the side of Donald Trump. She's consistently beat Trump every day. And overall, I think Pelosi is the most impactful politician. What do you think about her role? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, she had a lot of her her planning around this whole year has been really exceptional. And she wasn't one of the ones that immediately was, you know, saying impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. She was cautious, which she played that well. Um, she made the right decision, putting it, like I said, uh, with the Intelligence Committee and with Adam Schiff instead Sif. of yeah. Judiciary. Uh, and she's. She's really been smart this year, and I think she's definitely a strong candidate for Politician of the Year. So, Buttigieg, Schiff, Tulsi Gabbard, and Nancy Pelosi are our four Politicians of the Year, all Democrats, proving that Democrats had a very interesting year, probably a successful year. Well, yes, but let's move calling on. Gabbard a Democrat it might be a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> it's a Democrat in name only, yeah. Dino. 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 <laughs> but, um... Yeah, that's pretty much what Justin Amash was for the last few months. A rhino. But, a rhino, yeah. But um, let's move on to our second award today, which is 
the non-politician of the year. So this is like the people who weren't elected to public office but still had a very big effect on our politics. Adam, who did you put? Um, I know, Henry, I know you're a soccer fan, so I was thinking I had to go with Megan Rapinoe. I love it. Um, yeah, I know that she's had a very um, important influence at the World Cup, of course, winning that for America, and then her status about equal pay between the men's and women's soccer team. If you look at them, the women's soccer team's winning World Cups, while the men's soccer team is not qualifying for World Cups. So Yeah, I think, and I think she really highlighted a very yeah. important issue in our democracy, which is that women aren't being, women in corporate America, women who are competing against men in the same business day to day, aren't being given the same recognition, even when it's outstandingly obvious that they are doing a better job in the case of the U.S. women's soccer team. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, who went second last time? Was it Jack? Jack, yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So Jack, who did you put? For you my personal year, uh, which I put uh, the whistleblower. So nice. I, I think this was a really, I mean, when you think about all the events that happened this year, all of these things occurred because of one courageous person inside the United States government that saw that something was wrong, that put their country over anything else and did the right thing. And I really admire that. And I think as history goes on, we will remember this person, even if they remain anonymous, as the true model of American, uh, American strength, courage, and pursuit to do the right thing. Yeah. Do you think they should remain anonymous, Jack? I, if I were them, I, I mean, I would be almost scared to go public. I mean, yeah, many of you know, ultra conservatives, or I mean, really anybody in this climate of huge, uh, huge divide, and you know, I would be scared to go public. But I yeah, think eventually and... it probably will be publicized. I think. And we have a name. I am choosing not to say it. I think Griffin also might right. know the name yeah. of the whistleblower. I think you know the name of the whistleblower too, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's pretty much... The alleged, he didn't publicize his... it, but it's, and it seems I, and to be... And none of us should say it on this podcast. Obviously, yeah. But, but yeah, there is a name out it's there. The it's the forbidden name. No, but yeah, I don't like when Republican Congress people are saying and exploiting his name in hearings because that's, um, you know, it's not, it's not good for the environment. But... Um, the environment of politics, that is. But, uh, Griffin, who did you put as your person of the year? Um, am I allowed to, like, say a group of people rather than one yeah. person? Yeah, I mean, time does that a lot. So, uh, yeah. Yes, so I would say the Hong Kong protesters. Mm-hmm. That was these, my number good. two. Yeah, because the Hong Kong protesters, they're facing, uh, like, this unimaginable threat in the Chinese government. And the Chinese government, they exploit their own people for forced labor. Uh, they're putting uh, Muslim Uyghurs in essentially concentration camps. Mm-hmm. They are one of the most sinister countries in the world, and they're trying to expand their dominance over Hong Kong. And I just admire the courage that uh, the citizens of Hong Kong are uh, partaking in to stand up against the oppressive Chinese regime. Uh, I think it takes like that is the most honorable thing to do. Stand up for freedom instead of submission to yeah. tyranny. Respect it. Oh, for the Chinese government. Yeah, I mean, what they're doing is amazing. And I hope that they do reign successful in the end. Um, my person of the year, non-politician of the year, uh, I was preparing to make a case for Gordon Sondland here. 
because I thought that one of you would say the person that I was going to pick, but none of you have. So the person of the year for me has to be Greta Thunberg. Well, she did so much. I mean, she won Tom's person of the year. She did so much to bring arguably the most important issue to the forefront of our minds. And she's brought out a sense that we in the United States have not passed major climate legislation and there's nothing we can and that is the only way we can, you know, stop the climate crisis. We need to tax the we need to tax the fossil fuel, fuel companies, stop the amount of carbon going into our atmosphere, and eventually pass a green new deal, some sweeping climate legislation that will help our help our country and our world. And Greta Thunberg has, you know, showed us that that should be our priority. Before she came onto the scene, climate protests were not a thing. It was not an issue that we were rallying the American government to support. And now. I'm loving these climate marches, these climate strikes, where we can show and tell the U.S. government that this is the most pressing issue. Yeah, the one I mean, thing, the one thing about her is that she's actually started to bring about change. These climate marches and protests, whereas there are other people who can do something like that as monumental, and nothing changes. But the big thing is that people are st- people noticed her, and people started to do something about it. Yeah, she really. She was the forefront of a big movement this year. So now let's move on to surprise of the year. This is pretty broad. Uh, anything, any big surprise that happened in politics this year? Um, Adam, what's your surprise of the year in 2019? Um, I think that Nancy Pelosi finally going and doing it and finally impeaching Trump. Um, I know that when she was originally elected and at the beginning of the year, a lot of people talked about how, oh, it's they're not going to impeach Trump. That's not a smart move. It will... Um, make the Republican base angry and then she wasn't going to do it and then the phone call and then she did it and I think that was a it wasn't it was a big surprise especially considering where we were at in the beginning of the year it wasn't a big surprise when you learned what Trump asked for on the phone call and quid pro quo but it was a big surprise considering the stance that she was at at the beginning of the year no, if you had told me in 2017 that this would be the surprise of the year, I would have disagreed because I would have thought that we would have definitely impeached Trump by now. But when Pelosi came in to Speaker of the House, like, I didn't think we were going to ever impeach Donald Trump. I thought that was something that was never going to happen. So, yeah, that is surprising. Um, Jack, right? Your second? Yep. So, what was uh, your surprise of the year? So, obviously, Adam talked about this earlier in his Politician of the Year, but my surprise of the year was the ascent of uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. I mean, going from yeah. such a small town, uh, from mayor of such a small town, uh, holding no statewide office, to becoming one of the front runners in Iowa and New Hampshire is just, I mean, it's tremendous. And it, it's really is surprising because I remember towards the beginning of uh, the 2020 primary races, uh, I had seen, you know, Buttigieg on MSNBC and, you know, I, I, he had a good interview I liked what he was talking about, and I remarked, you know, I like that guy. But then I was like, oh, too bad he's never going to be a front runner. And there's, you know, like, there's no way people will get to vote for him meaningfully. But he really turned that around, and he's a strong candidate now. Yeah, that's so true. And um, I have to go with my number two for surprise of the year because that was mine too. But, um, I mean, what Pete Buttigieg has done from the position he was in, I don't know about you guys. I did. I had heard of him before he ran, like only in passing, though. Uh, I didn't know this much about him, but he's been absolutely fantastic this year. Mm-hmm. Griffin, surprise of the year. Uh, well, first, a word from our sponsors. Uh, we're propped up by formerly the Koch brothers, but now Charlie Cook. Nah, just kidding. 
now. We are not owned. By, <laughs> we're not. We're not. We are we're not now owned, owned by the Murdochs. We are not owned we're owned by, by the Big Murdochs Pharma now. or uh, fossil fuel companies. Um, Just the NRA. We're owned by the NRA. <laughs> yes, we are owned but, by um, the NRA. Yes, so, and the Murdoch. Yes. Yeah. Right. Anyhow, uh, we are actually not. Biggest to surprise... all our viewers, we're not. But we're go on. Profit. Yes. So, anyhow, I would say the biggest surprise of the year would be the fall of two candidates, actually, Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke. Because last year, yeah. about this time, there was an article from CNN that ranked, like, top 10 potential presidential candidates by, like, power ranking. Kamala and Beto were up at the tippy top, the one and two. And now I saw their campaigns. They, Kamala launched hers in January, Beto in March. Well, Beto launched his too late. Kamala launched hers at a decent time, but she was just overshadowed by the widening field of candidates. But going into the first debate, I thought they're, they're going to make a move. They're going to they're going to become they're going to go out of this debate much stronger candidates than they were before. And at least for Kamala Harris, it was true. After the first debate, she rose into second in uh, national polls. And then the second debate came and Kamala got basically demolished by Tulsi Gabbard and she couldn't hold her own against Biden. So for Harris, it was a gradual decline. Beto, Beto never really got back to where he was uh, in March of 2019 when he first announced. So I, I honestly thought they were going to be much stronger candidates. In fact, I thought they would make it to Iowa and further, like even Super Tuesday. But I was very surprised that they fell so far in this year alone. Yeah, have you seen that Beto's grown a beard now after dropping out? <laughs> it's like really, it's re- I didn't recognize him. He posted something on Twitter, and I was like, wow, that's uh, didn't Ted, Ted Cruz grew a beard too? I mean. Thank yeah, you. but that looked terrible. Uh, that was just scary. He, he looks like the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> is he, though? Right, uh, um, he is. He is. I can see that. Anyways, um, my surprise... Wait, we're on this... What are we on? Surprise. Surprise, surprise, yeah, surprise for you. Surprise of the year. Okay, my surprise of the year is Elizabeth Warren. When we went into 2019, she was she announced on New Year's Eve, right? And when we announced, I remember thinking, like, oh, she's going to be like the Julian Castro or the Cory Booker of this race. Someone who's, you know, kind of lagging behind standards and just like filling it up. I thought she'd be Kirsten Gillibrand or like your average senator who's not running with any chances and just running as like a placeholder. But something about her message really clicked with the American people. And we were surrounded last year with talk about her DNA test, talk about controversy about her. And now we're at this point where she... Yeah, I mean, Trump made racist remarks toward her. And now well, we're at this point where Elizabeth Warren is... Oh, well, I mean, Trump made a, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we're now at this point where Trump... I mean, sorry, where Elizabeth Warren is now in the pole position to become the Democratic nominee. I mean, one of the, one of the highest Front chances winners, to definitely yeah. do so. Yeah, so I do think that I wouldn't have seen Elizabeth Warren becoming uh, the frontrunner. I think even when Pete Buttigieg surged, Elizabeth Warren was way behind him, lagging in fifth or sixth place. And I guess in the summer, she had some good debates. You know, she kind of tore down John Delaney. I thought that was a key moment for her. And she really just, you know, elevated herself to become one of the people in the Democratic Party who's moving the conversation left and, you know, shaping the party as it is now. 
Yeah. So, um, any, so yeah, let's move on. Everybody gets to move on to our next yep. one. Yep. Yes, sir. All right. So next up we have the disappointment of the year. This is kind of a broad category. It can be a disappointing world event. It could be a person or a candidate that didn't live up to expectations this year, a thing that wasn't what it turned out to be. Um, Adam, what was the most disappointing thing in 2019? Um, uh, to add on to what, you know, Griffin said earlier, I had Beto O'Rourke down after his miserable campaign that saw him go from, you know, the golden boy of the Democratic Party, how he almost took down Ted Cruz in Texas, and then he just miserably failed, like, at his campaign. Like, we were saying, we all expected him to, I didn't expect him to win, but I expected him to at least be competitive and by the end he would just change it that he's completely out against guns because he was so you know far behind the other candidates and i just think that this this was a major disappointing year for him i think that especially after his great year in 2018 he sort of tried to use the momentum that he had and it just didn't work his message on guns though opened up a conversation that i don't think democrats were willing to have um you know, Democrats weren't willing to say that we're going to take away guns, right? And now that that I've said that, that kind of changed the whole scape. And I think that kind of negatively impacted him. I mean, what do you think, Jack, about Beto's role? I don't know if I don't know if most Democrats now are ready to say that. Still, I mean, I, I guess he he was uh, something different uh, for his last debate and last few months of his candidacy. But yeah, I would I would agree with Adam that he's one of the biggest disappointments of the year. Although there's a possibility for a comeback if uh, certain people win the nomination. Maybe he's in the next administration as a vice president or AG. Is his political career done, you think? Or does he have Uh, more to come? No, I don't think so. He's still relatively young. And he he clearly showed something in his run for Senate um, in Texas. And so... He should have ran against John Cornyn, though, this year. That would have been great. I think that... Yeah, I think that at some point, I think he's going to try to make another run for Senate or for, you know, for Senate again of Texas. And I think he's not done per se, but I think he might need to take a little break, rethink about his base, rethink about what he stands for and try to regain his uh, energy and mojo that he lost. Yeah, I would agree. Jack, what's the biggest disappointment of 2019? So I took a little bit of a different approach. My biggest disappointment of the year for me was Trump's abandonment of our Kurdish allies. Uh, oh, when yeah. Trump first came into office, you know, I, I was scared, and I was really scared what he would do to our foreign policy. And throughout the first, you know, two years of his uh, administration, you know, there were some events, there were some missteps, but overall I thought we still had a good foreign policy standing. But with that one decision, abandoning our allies, it just totally changed our history it totally changed our reputation and not only did it hurt our kurdish allies but to the world it seemed like we wouldn't be loyal to them and they had nothing they had if they supported us we would just abandon them and that was really sad for me yeah yeah griffin what's your moment of the year i mean disappointment of the year yeah um mine is actually somewhat similar to jack's in that it relates to foreign policy although it's uh with a different war in fact Uh, i'm very disappointed that trump continued the war in yemen the war in yemen is a disaster the yemeni population there's uh many of them are starving many of them are suffering from disease there's uh uh, need for humanitarian aid on a wide scale. 
across Yemen, and we are selling weapons to the Saudis. And Saudi Arabia is a very fundamentalist and religious, like con- like ultra conservative state. That uh, and their ideology is actually not too far from that of ISIS. And they are using these weapons to bomb Yemen. And it is just disgusting, like, that we're funding this war, essentially, in Yemen that is causing so much destruction and Mm -hmm. thousands of people to die. I am disgusted. Yeah. I think that's an issue that does need to get more national attention as it's not talked about nearly enough. Um, My disappointment of the year, I kind of stayed domestic. I was kind of more along the lines of Adam. I chose the the Mueller report as my disappointment of the year. I feel like this was so hyped up for two years. We thought this was going to be the end of Trump's presidency. This is what would get him impeached. This would be the greatest. It would be Watergate 2.0. That's what what we all thought. But the Mueller report came out. Mueller was indecisive. He refused to charge Trump with anything, really. He, there were some damaging things, but it was a lot more just like, kind of like, you know, shaking around the corners, just like not, making any clear decisions and then when he testified he didn't really give any clear answers he refused i mean so much of that report was redacted you know with all the black sharpie and it was really terrible I, I don't know i just it was it was so hyped up and it just didn't uh, turn out to be the yeah big. I, I get what you're saying agree with this what i kind of disagree with you on this one henry yeah uh, what do you think i mean i guess my stance is i wasn't taken aback or, or sad about Mueller's performance or his report Instead of being indecisive, I regarded him as being unbiased and simply in pursuit of the truth and not trying to position himself to the left or the right of Trump. And I think it was really important that he did that. Uh, it was, may have been disappointing for some Democrats that he didn't completely echo their message, but I was proud of the way he handled the investigation. And he was just a steward of justice and nothing more. Yeah, and you guys hear me? Yes, yeah. yes, we do. Yes. Sorry, yeah, okay. But anyways, I mean, like, yeah, I get how it's disappointing for a liberal, and as a liberal, I am disappointed by that. But, I mean, you see people like Maria Ivanovich and Gordon Zomland telling the truth, but not holding back telling the truth. And I feel like Mueller did do that. So Ooh. that's what... Uh. He... No, I mean, it took him a lot... Like, I mean, of course it was terrible that all the report was redacted. I think we can all agree on... That we would have liked to see more of the report yeah. than what was given to us. Uh-huh. But that's, that's, I mean, that's a United States security, yeah. uh, I don't, you know, thing in yeah. part. Like, I would have yeah, wanted was, to see more, some but classified information. We all under- wanted to see. I understand more. that I cannot. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. But for something that was so hyped up for two years, it kind of fizzled out. Well, that's the Democrats. I don't know. I feel like we anything. we haven't talked about that much, and it it was a big storyline for a lot of mid twenty nineteen. So yeah, now that we're done with the disappointment of well, the year, um, he didn't really move on to the thing with Mueller is that year kind of something that a politician messed up on. Um, Adam, uh, I'm sure that uh, Henry and Jack, at least, I think you guys can guess where I'm going to go with this one. Um, when I told Henry it? about this category, this she was the first person who I thought of, and it's Ilhan Omar and her quotes about Israel and then about the Armenian genocide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was and terrible. I was... think that this is what's going to cost her as a first-term congresswoman. Uh, I think I, I had liked her up until this point, but I think that it's shown not that I can understand some of her anger toward Israel, but what she said and then what she did about the Armenian genocide. I think that I don't think she's going to be reelected after these comments and especially coming from someone from my own party. 
It's, yeah, I, that's what yeah, makes it the big deal that it is. Is that I I see Republicans saying stuff like this, and I'm like, and I you know I don't expect it, and I don't I don't like it, but you know she's in my own party, and that's not who I want to represent. Although my party. let's let's do be fair here, Israel is not like this magical yeah. moral nation. They've done no. a lot of bad. It stuff. deserves we I, like, I we should not like, be right. going, like let them let them like Yahoo defend themselves. Is, we don't need to give yeah. them that like any money just but yeah, Omar shouldn't have questioned yeah. Jewish politicians loyalty that's yeah. Yeah. a step I think yeah. that yeah. is way too far, too far for everybody and then plus and the Armenian genocide saying it oh happens. well yeah it it happened like yeah we should all you know like the genocide deniers are recognizing it stupid I would yeah. definitely if I were Pelosi right now like I think she should have kind of you know took her off a committee or something because like if you're going to criticize what Steve King said was much worse like Steve King has a history of terrible things, and yeah. he deserves to be taken off committees, and he, he should have resigned. I don't think Ilan Omar should necessarily – I mean, maybe she should, but I think that she should have gotten some blowback. Maybe and although, like an apology. I think Or censure. Or censure, maybe. She apology. tried to um, deliver an apology, and but it I don't didn't know. turn out too well. That's, oh, gotcha. that's what happened. Yeah, that gotcha. was the big problem was that it came across yeah. as sort of insensitive. And while I, I, do, I don't like the way Netanyahu is um, – treating especially you know trying to annex stuff left and right i think that israel while they should be our while they are our ally i think that you know it's a fragile line with israel because of the way well israel's uh, just been taken so the leader much from it's Palestine. a tough topic, them. Tough. Yeah, yeah it's you know so. Uh, so on Jack. the subject yeah so on the subject of you know goofed apologies i think my uh biggest gap of the year isn't with uh, American politics, but Canadian. After uh, uh, yeah, I reports know came out that Trudeau, uh, Trudeau, uh, Trudeau, uh, Trudeau, Trudeau yeah. uh, had put on blackface and brownface and photos of him uh, occurred, immediately after he handled it very badly, his apology was, I don't even know if you could call it an apology, he did it so badly. What did he say again? What did he well, say? he just, he just was, it, it was just, he was like, kind of downplaying the issue a little bit. I don't think he was being deliberately racist or anything like that, but I think he just goofed up. At the same time, I think if there was a category for biggest kind of rebound of the year, Trudeau would be in the category of that as well, because after this whole scandal, he, he still won. went on to win his election. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if your excuse, though, is that it was a long time ago, that's an invalid excuse. That's well, terrible. But locker room talk. And he still won I mean, the election. All of as that well. is terrible. There's yeah. no way to make an excuse for something like that. And yeah, it was terrible at the Trudeau. Griffin, what's your uh, biggest mess up of the year? Uh, biggest, I guess the biggest mess up would go to Beto. Now, remember that September <laughs> debate when he said, Hell yes, we're going to take your AR 15, your AK 47. He sounded like a little too intimidating. Um, and I feel like that real, like any support, well, not that support amongst gun like Democrats don't get really that much support amongst gun owners but really i think he stepped over the line uh far too much with that comment and he basically uh he he's not going to win over undecided voters especially in a general election with that and i think that actually harmed beto's campaign yeah i would agree my uh, biggest mess up yeah. of the year is trump telling ukraine to do us a favor yeah i mean <laughs> we had Literally, we had the Mueller hearing, July 25th, where we heard hours about all the things Trump did with foreign governments to help his own cause. 
And then less than 24 hours after that, Trump gets on the phone with Ukraine and tells them to like, like do us a favor and like, you know, investigate Joe Biden or we won't give you the money. And that's just like, if he hadn't done it, if he wasn't so impulsive, if he wasn't like a little toddler only thinking about himself, then none of this impeachment stuff would have happened. He would be in a much better position after he was cleared by Robert Mueller, really. And, you know, like him doing that is a big mess up for him. So I just a quick point here on this whole topic. In yeah. some ways, I think in the current age of Trump, you know, mistakes and gaffes, they're not really nearly as big of a deal as they used to be. I mean, think about the ones we mentioned right now. So Trudeau, blackface apology. He still got elected. Ilhan Omar, uh, anti-Semitic comments. She's still in office. Uh, you know, Trump saying the Ukraine stuff, he's probably not going to get removed from office. I think we're in an age of, like, unaccountability that's kind of jarring for me. And it's a little scary. Unaccountability slanted one more side, though. Ilan Omar's comments got a hundred times more coverage than a credible rape accusation against Donald Trump. Well, but that's, it, it, it's not, it's not <laughs> right, but it's going to happen. And the, I'm sad that we're in this place. Yeah, exactly. And we are held to higher standards of Democrats. But Right, um, that makes, I mean, and that's, that's our policy. Yeah, and I'm glad we have that policy. But, um, okay, so let's, our last reflection, let's just go around and say it no more. We shouldn't have to elaborate a bit more since we should get some predictions. Uh, moment of the year. Uh, Adam, what's your moment of the year? The phone call with Ukraine. Of course. Jack, yeah. what's yours? This is kind of a, a little out there, but mine is uh, the World Series that Trump went to. He was the first president in he like 100 <laughs> years not to throw out the first pitch. And he was booed from the stands. I really think that was just such a good representation of where we are at a country now. And especially it it was the Nationals from Washington, D.C. Right, exactly. And I mean, most of the people at the game are probably in the upper middle class to wealthy bracket, considering how much the tickets are. And he was still booed. I like that moment where you see the camera and he thinks he's not being booed, he's being cheered. And then, like, he, like, the expression on his face, like, slowly turns to, like, oh, no. But, yeah, uh, Griffin, what's your moment of the year? Uh, Tulsi smoking Kamala at the July debate. Nice. My moment of the year is something we haven't talked about at all, but, I mean, it feels like a million years ago. But it was actually in 2019 when Pelosi and Schumer ended the shutdown. You know. No, that was that had to be more than that. <laughs> no, it was it was, like, it was January so of 2019. Ago, you know? I know, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that, that, was, that was interesting. Ancient all history. Right. Yeah, it's so much has happened. We'll be studying year. it this My year goodness. in global history. <laughs> right. right. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's move on to predictions now. Um, I mean, a lot will happen next year in 2020, as we know. Um, and we've got the big one. We've combined this into two categories. Um, Adam, who will be the Democratic nominee and who will win the 2020 election? Um, I'm going to go pretty original here. Biden is the Democratic nominee. He loses to Trump. You know, I don't want it to happen at the loss to Trump, but... I think Who it's going think to happen. We'll win the VP nomination if Biden's elected at him or um, uh, nominated. I don't know. For a while, you know, there's thoughts about Julian Castro, um, but I, I don't really know where Biden's going to go. Amy Klobuchar might seem like a good match for him. She's a woman. She's also a moderate, but you know, and she's doing well. But you know. I think that the big, I think the bigger picture here is that I don't see Trump losing at all. Yeah, my uh, I hate that. Yeah, my prediction is that unfortunately, uh, Warren will be the nominee for the Democratic Party, 
I so think the an... vice presidential nom- nominee, if she wins, will probably be. I think Andrew Gillum has a good shot. Oh, that's uh, good. I haven't thought of that. Yeah. But uh, I think she she uh, will lose to Trump in 2020 as well. I think out of the four candidates who could be nominated, Warren's the most likely to lose to Trump. I think we can yeah, all I see agree. that. Yeah, and it's, it's like stupid, stupid stuff. Like it's stupid that like being a woman like makes you less electable. I would like, say that's the reason why she's I less think it's, electable. She said well, no, it's that... her progressive policy. But we look at Bernie Sanders, yeah. who has the same policy, but well, no, yeah. but he's and therefore more electable because better of his against... face. He has yeah, such he's... a strong base. His base is similar to Trump in that I oh, feel I like whatever his, he I thought you said his face, and I got really No, <laughs> well, I was like, wow. <laughs> I don't think well, Bernie Sanders' base will really ever leave him, which makes him more electable than Warren. Yeah, yeah and I also Bernie think Bray that, well. you know, yeah. Bernie, he has written the damn bill, and he has mm-hmm. told us that taxes may have to go exactly. up. Exactly, yep. And Warren has repeatedly denied that and then not said where the money's going to come Costs from. Costs will exactly. go down. Cost is a key word. All right, Griffin, what will be the Democratic ticket and who will win the election? I think uh, Sanders on top, and I'd say for the VP slot, I'd give it to Stacey Abrams, uh, Sanders Abrams ticket. And I think uh, this ticket defeats Trump. No. Oh. I, you love to see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, my ticket, and I guess we're all of us are going for a different candidate on top. I'm picking Pete Buttigieg to win the nomination. If he wins <laughs> Iowa and New Hampshire, which he very well he might, definitely could, then like the history shows that if you win those two states, you are in pole position to at least be one of the final two to in the nomination. And I think Pete Buttigieg will win it. I think that. A lot of people like his message. A lot of people watch the debates who don't really follow politics. They're like, oh, I like that guy. I might as well vote for him. So, yeah, I think Buttigieg takes this. Um, for the VP, uh, I don't know if you guys know who this is, but I've done a lot of research. And um, this uh, representative, Pramila Jayapal, uh, Griffin probably knows who yeah, Pramila uh, Jayapal from is. From Seattle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's, she's good. She's really smart. She's... She, like the opposite of Buttigieg in a lot of ways, I think that she could be a very good vice presidential pick and she would really stick it to Mike Pence in the debate. But in the end, it won't be enough as Donald Trump defeats them, albeit with them winning the popular vote. Um, yeah. One, one, I mean, I guess this slightly off topic, but I mean, yeah, sure. you mentioned that representative and, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't know who she was. And I'm, I would say I'm probably more politically attuned than many Americans. So I, we I mean, obviously, are. if she performs really well in the debates and goes out, I think she could be good. But she has, really doesn't have any name recognition. And I think that could be an issue if she's picked as the VP. Tim Kaine had minimal name uh, recognition. I mean, he was I a senator, was. right? I, I mean, don't really but then, think, I, then again, I was in like fifth grade. Did Mike Pence have that much name recognition? Yeah, either? he did. He did. Oh, oh yeah, because the religion, uh, you know, the gay marriage stuff. bill. The yeah, gay marriage exactly. bill in 2015. Because he's been an idiot about homophobia. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, uh, that's unfortunately they lose to Trump. I think that Joe Biden would beat Trump. So that's my thing. Yeah, I, agree. I don't think I don't think we're going to nominate Joe Biden. Um, yeah, so, uh, Adam, who takes Congress? Who takes the Senate in the House? Um, I say. We keep we keep the uh, we keep the House and Republicans keep the Senate. Um, again, yeah, too many I don't seats see, to flip in the Senate. Yeah, yeah, we need to flip twenty seats. We have people like Doug Jones up for re-election, and the he actually won in Alabama. That was a miracle. That's not going to happen again. Um, I think that we have such a strong majority in the House. I think that we're going to lose a few seats, but we're going Dems keep it. Um, but I just yeah. think I just think that you know that's not going to change that much. Yeah. I agree Just with that. Look at the people up for re-election. 
So, Jack, I don't think uh, anything changes. I mean, we might yeah. lose a few seats in the House and we might gain one or two in the Senate, but nothing changes. I don't think. Griffin, what are your what are your Congress predictions for 2020? Um, I would say the House, Demo- it's going to be like almost a no, like almost no net change in the House because Democrats right. are probably going to pick up a few, Republicans a few. Senate, I think Doug Jones, uh, he's under, he's gone. But yeah. I think Hickenlooper and Mark Kelly, they can pick up Senate seats. So a net of one for Democrats, so still a Republican-controlled Senate. Okay, so, yeah, I think we keep the House. I think that's, um, you know, there's not much danger there. Senate is where it gets interesting. I think the Republicans get a Senate 51-49. I think it's, it gets closer. Ooh. I think that um, Jones loses. Uh, yeah. I, I think that uh, Mark Kelly wins in Arizona. Hickenlooper. Hickenlooper. Might. I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling more confident about Mike, Mark Kelly than Hickenlooper really? at the moment. That, I don't know. I I'm feel surprised. Like Mark Kelly has a lot of name recognition. Well, so but, does um, Hickenlooper. He was the governor think, of the state. Yeah. I think Susan Collins wins. Um, Agreed. But I think that Amy McGrath is the better work of 2020. Uh, I think she makes. No, I think no. she's closer than we think. I think she makes it closer. I think she can make it closer than we think, but I don't think she's going to beat Mitch McConnell. Now, where's the other pickup? He's super though? unpopular. If we get he a lot of fundraising for Amy McGrath. Wait, so are, are you suggesting that happen. Mitch McConnell will lose? I'm suggesting that. Is that your that bold prediction? That is, yes, my bold prediction. Uh, Tom, I'd, say Tom, okay. I'd say Tom Tillis is more likely Tom Tillis to lose wins. in North Carolina. Okay, uh, moving on to the next prediction. Um, Adam, what happens in impeachment? Uh, uh, this isn't one where I want to make a bold prediction. It stalls in the Senate. I think Pelosi gives uh, the impeachment articles to the Senate, and then I think that it stalls there because they need uh, mon- many Republicans to flip, and that's not going to happen. It won't happen. Jack, yeah, that's you- not a bombshell prediction. No, it's not. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard prediction, too. Yeah. Jack. Nothing, really. I think uh, she sends over the managers and the articles. Uh, I think the vote and the rules of impeachment uh, in the Senate is going to be a little closer, but I still think the Republican win- wins, and once they win that, they basically uh, won impeachment. Griffin, anything to say about impeachment next year? Uh, I think Mitch McConnell is just going to use the articles of impeachment as toilet paper, because honestly, he doesn't care. Yeah, it's Stalin stupid. in the Senate. I'm just worried. Like, I'm glad that Pelosi is holding on to the articles. I think that she will hold on to them until um, I think she's going to hold on to them for I don't a know. lot more months than we think she will. I think what that... what is the benefit for Pelosi though? Because the Republicans if don't she hands over the articles now, Mitch McConnell's just going to freaking no, like acquit Trump. But and then McConnell gonna, like... doesn't care. McConnell doesn't so want stupid. the yeah. trial to happen. So I don't think Pelosi has any leverage in yeah, keeping it. But if there is Republican support for a fair impeachment trial, and if we can get that support, that really then I think, I think that at best, Mick Mulvaney and John Bolton testify and take it to Trump. But again, uh, nothing happens. And I don't know where it's going. So yeah, um, I got to wrap up soon. But let's we have one final category, and this is just some random predictions for 2020. Um, Adam, did you write down a few random predictions? Yeah, um, I said that Brexit finally gets done. Oh, wow. Um, I, I think that, you know, I predicted this year that it, nothing would really happen and nothing's happened, but I think that with Boris Johnson in charge, I think oh, that... Oh, <laughs> Yeah. It, well, not, nothing to an extent that they don't leave, but they don't officially stay. Right, right, right. It was yeah. more of like a, it's still waiting there, and I think in 2020 it finally gets done. Not at the beginning, but it's going to get done. 
I think that the Israeli election crisis is still not solved. I think yep. that the third election will not do any better than the second election. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I say that um, Colin Kaepernick going over to the NFL, I think that he does not get signed by any team and he announces his official retirement. And I think that doping is a major issue at the uh, Olympics in uh, Tokyo. Yeah, Jack, what are your random predictions for 2020? So these all fall under the same umbrella, but I think Buttigieg uh, wins New Hampshire. I think Klobuchar is in the top two in Iowa. And I think because of this, it will remain a tight race throughout the whole thing. And no one's really going to drop out. And I think Super Tuesday is going to have some of the most candidates we've ever seen. All right, Griffin? Uh, I'm going to give Iowa to Mayor Pete at the moment, but only by like a sliver because he's, he's going to be up there with uh, Klobuchar and Sanders. However, I don't think a uh, win yeah. in Iowa would carry on to New Hampshire. I believe Bernie will win New Hampshire and Nevada, uh, give Biden South Carolina. And basically, Warren and Pete will kind of fade out after Super Tuesday, and it'll basically be a Sanders versus Biden contest. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Uh, All right. I, yeah. I will not do well on my PSAT next year. <laughs> oh, well, I, hope, I hope that's not true. But, um, yeah, so my rent before I got to go is that um, Tulsi Gabbard runs third party, and uh, the Bernie bros vote for her, uh, damaging Pete Buttigieg as a nominee. I think that um, I wrote down that, quote, Amy McGrath beats Mitch McConnell in stunning upset. That was kind of wishful thinking. Plus, it was really late, and I was tired, and my brain was not working. Um, also, uh, Kamala Harris puts on a master class in the impeachment trial, if that happens. I think that if Kamala gets to question whoever the witness is, she is going to do an amazing job with it, because that is where she excels. I think that Joe Biden forgets what his son's name is during a speech. Uh... Um, I think that Susan Collins confirms that she is both pro-choice and pro-life at the same time. Um, I think that Lindsey Ga- Lindsey Graham turns out songs with a wig with a wig on the entire time. That'd be fun. And then I think that Democrats. I think that that's definitely going to happen based on shifting demographics in our country. California is getting really crowded. It deserves more electoral votes than we have. And after Trump wins his second presidency, without. Uh, the popular vote, there's going to be such a movement to get rid of the Electoral College, and it's going to be one of the, fi- one of the defining storylines of 2021. So, um, yeah. Have a good time Are at Disney, Henry. Go on. Alright, yeah. I think we're done. I'm, we are playing foot golf, right. soccer golf now, which I will lose to my brother in. Hey, you can All beat right. your brother in Let's see you guys. I'll give you credit where credit's due. All right. Right. Happy right, New Year. Good. Happy New but, Year. Um, uh, Merry Christmas. We will come up with a new episode next <laughs> decade. <laughs> uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. See you all next decade, guys. All right. Have a good one. Please be sure to rate okay. and review our podcast on iTunes. Please give it some stars. Give it a review. That would be great. Thank you so much, yeah. and have a good decade. Everybody. I'll be a year Bye. older the next time you see me. See you, guys.